This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space, a monthly podcast of artist talks, panel discussions, and other events. Tēnā tātou katoa, e hōmā, nau mai hoki mai ki tēnei kaupapa kōrero o The Physics Room. Nau mai, whakarongo mai, whakatau mai. My name is Abby Kanane and I'm the director of The Physics Room, a contemporary art space dedicated to developing and promoting contemporary art and critical discourse in Aotearoa. Based in central Ōtautahi since 1996, we assist artists with resources and opportunities to enable creative and professional development, and we work to support the acknowledgement and understanding of contemporary art among New Zealanders. Our goal is to actively seek links between the arts and other areas of cultural production, and to involve art as a contributing voice in wider intellectual, social and political debate. In this episode of Art, Not Science, we are sharing a talanoa with members of the Vingia Project, an ongoing creative research project inspired by the Fijian practice of Vingia, female tattoo. The morning after the Vingia Project exhibition opened at the physics room, we were joined by Dr. Tyrese Sorovi Vunidilo, Margaret All, Joanna Monolangi, and Louisa Tora, the 2021 Creative New Zealand, University of Canterbury, Macmillan Brown Centre for Pacific Studies, Artists and Residents, for this discussion. The speakers were present in person and over Zoom, with an audience sitting in the gallery and joining us on Zoom also. A deep, warm thank you to everyone who was able to attend and who contributed to this conversation. We are so lucky to have been able to host this, and especially at a time of many travel restrictions. The Vingia Project's members, Dr. Tyrese Sorovi Vunidilo, Margaret Orr, Donita Hume, Joanna Monolangi, Dulcie Stewart, and Louisa Tora, are artists and academics based in Aotearoa, Australia, and Hawaii, and continue in the practice of researching Vingia to inform the development of new artwork. This panel discussion will touch on their exhibition, Ilako Lako Ni Vingia, a Vingia Project exhibition on now at the physics room, as well as on the history and scope of the Vingia project's time together, giving us further insight into their ongoing work. At the heart of this is a commitment to sharing their findings with a wide community. Kia ora mai tātou. Welcome to the physics room. It's really great to have you all joined us near and far. It's especially great to have Louisa Tora and Margaret all in the room with me here and all of you from the collective and all of you who've joined to listen and to support as well on Zoom. We feel your company also. My name is Abby Kinane. I'm the director at The Physics Room. I've been here since January, but in relation to the collective, I was lucky, really lucky back in 2015, mm. end of 2015, to work with them in an earlier stage at St. Paul Street Gallery, AUT University in Auckland. That was very early days in the collective's work. 
Yeah, so we just wanted to use this opportunity this morning to go a little bit deeper into some of the history and some of the present and some of the future of the relationship with these marks and with these forms. So, yeah, welcome. Welcome, you guys. We had a good party last night. Small party, good party. So some time for talking this morning. So to start off with, I'd just like to ask each of the members of the collective to briefly introduce yourself and perhaps talk about your work within the space of the collective and also if you'd like to uh, touch on your creative practice outside of the, the work of the collective as well. Maybe if you're comfortable to start, Louisa. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Louisa Torre. I'm from Kandabu, which is in the south of Fiji. Both my parents are from there. I'm an interdisciplinary artist, even though I can't say it. Most of my work is featured on themes including um, feminism, queer, and indigenous themes. I've been a member of the project since 2014, although the conversation happened at least six years before that. So this is a long-term conversation that finally came together in the collective. Mm. Yeah. yeah. So I'm currently the, um, I should mention, the Creative New Zealand <laughs> University of Canterbury <laughs> Macmillan Brown Centre for Pacific Studies Artists in Residence. So this show is part of that output. I'm also editing our film, some of the footage that you see behind you where we visited uh, an island in the north of Fiji to talk about with the elders about their grandmother's marks. So that's me. Naka. Naka. Yeah, yeah. あの、ホキアナファクパイカレキアハイタトワチキアキアベチ。エンドペッゴメダラスエタリシ。ヒー。ああ、マイコネクションイズマンスフロムホキアナデッツアムズボーンエンドアスウーバフィジー。エンドマ
collectives, including uh, Dalsi and uh, Donita and Salote and our other sisters who have joined us over the years. So Mbulubinaka and Aloha from the beautiful city of Hilo on the big island in Hawaii. I'd just like to greet you all and uh, say uh, Mbulubinaka. My name is Teresi Bunindilo. Uh, I'm originally from uh, the beautiful island of Kandavu, the southern part of Fiji. And I'm just so happy to be here. I've been part of this uh, Venge Collective, I think, um, Lulu just mentioned 2014, if I remember, in terms of the conversation. I recall we had a Maramuni Viti leadership workshop, and uh, I remember Luisa Toro was there, and of course, Emma Tavola, our inaugural curator of this project as well, another sister from Kandavu. And it was just wonderful that after the workshop, one of the feedback uh, that came from the filling up the evaluation form, I think it came from uh, these two Kandavu ladies, uh, Luisa, Emma, that they were interested to find out about Vengia. I saw their comments and I was like, I have no idea where we're going to go with this. But uh, I was so happy that Emma uh, took on the leadership from the beginning and gathered most of us. And by the time um, after 2014, I moved across to Australia. And from there, Emma kept emailing me and said, Teresa, you have to come with us, you have to come with us. And so my background is in museums and archaeology and anthropology, and my interest is also in indigenous languages. So the language was the kind of the, the key that opened this door for me, mm. that allowed me to enter the space of uh, you know, sharing our oral history and looking at the importance of language and allowing me to attend many of these workshops that was associated with, with our history you know, our Fiji history. And when Vengia came into the picture, I was so excited because of my work in the museums. I saw all the artifacts, you know, I saw all the tools, but there was no story. You know, there was no oxygen, you know, touching these beautiful artifacts. And so this amazing collective, these women came together from their individual backgrounds and added this kind of life into this amazing project that has made Bengia to be today. So that's briefly a little bit about me. Vinaka Vakile. Vinaka. That's amazing. It's, uh, yeah, really this idea of like something coming, of course, has been life forever, but the oxygen coming back into the room is something very... It feels very present in the gallery space as well. Also, I'm so happy you mentioned Emma Tavola. I was meaning to at the beginning. She was such an important part of the exhibition that I mentioned at St. Paul Street. Mm. And of course, she was also Macmillan Brown artist mm. resident mm. a couple of years back. So, um, yeah, it's nice to have her here, even though she's not present as such. And Julia. And Julia. And Julia, yeah. And yeah. Yeah. Gray. So she's been really important in, in the synergies of, of everything. Is she there? Yeah, she's here. (laughs) Julia! Uh, So she's been really important too, contributing to the synergy of the project as a marker, Daobati, Kaita, to ensure that the visual nature of our marks are seen, Mm. and and a lot of our women connecting in with her. Absolutely. So very grateful for her and her work, and her her babies too, and her family. Yeah. And Very if you much. need to find her work, she's at Melanesian Marks Online. <laughs> <laughs> <Just a shout. laughs> I mean, you can also see a lot of her work on yeah, the flesh, in yes. the flesh, right? Yes. And in the series of images around the front mm. in the mm. library space as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space.
So Teresa, you touched on this really beautifully, far more than I would have done, but I wondered if I'm going to address this question generally, but one of you could pick up just speaking about how you came together, just going a bit back to that 2014 or perhaps even prior, what brought you into working in this mode, how that has evolved since that kind of point of origin? I think uh, and I have to say too that you know in the Maramunivity workshop, Joanna Monolang was one of our our teachers at that workshop. So it seems like it kind of uh, you know morphed its, its way in where a lot of our sisters you know and also with Julia joining us in Fiji, the stars aligned itself you know all throughout those years. Also going back to 2008, so personally for me, I can see Tale Tora in the audience, Bula Tale, who is the sister of Luisa. And uh, I know, don't know Tale if you recall this conversation in Pango Pango in American Samoa. I remember this day vividly because uh, this beautiful Rotuman princess, Letila Mitchell, was lying on this special bed in the um, Aotearoa village for the Festival of Pacific Arts. And she was being tattooed by one of the renowned uh, Maori tattooists. And uh, while she was lying there, around her was, I think Tale was there and me and a few others uh, who were standing there and having this conversation as to this Rotuman lady lying there, uh, Letila. And uh, we were having this conversation as to, do Fijians have this too? And this conversation stayed with me. Uh, way back in 2008. And then fast forward to 2014 when Emma Tawola and Luisa and Chowana, you know, we all were, were part of that workshop. It seems like that notion or that idea of doing something about Bengia is starting to kind of open its petal, you know, like a flower. So the flower was already there, but it was just waiting for the right time for the right people, you know, to come in and be part of this conversation. Because it's not an easy conversation, as I must say in the beginning. You know, it's quite sensitive on so many levels, even among Fijians. Oh yeah, when I was applying for my first job at the Fiji Museum, I saw the display at the Fiji Museum and I saw this tattooed woman, this picture, and it stayed with me. And I went home and I asked my mom and my mom told me, don't mention it ever again. You know, I was kind of surprised. I didn't understand. Like, why shouldn't we be talking about it? Because I saw this beautiful woman and she had these marks and I read about it. And and that kind of like made me more curious. <laughs> you know, it didn't stop me from just reading more about it. So coming back to 2014 with Emma and Luisa and Tineseta, Joanna, adding into the conversation. So for me personally, it kind of like gave me some courage you know, to actually talk to people who wanted to listen to me or even for me to listen to others who want to talk about it. So there was two interested parties who wanted to to engage in this conversation. And so I really acknowledge uh, Emma. Uh, When I moved to Australia, you know, she reached out a number of times uh, telling me, Therese, you have to come to this trip, you have to come. Uh, I wasn't sure what my role was at that time, but because they were wanting to go to the Fiji Museum and I used to work there, I felt that there was a a role I had to play to be like their sister who's going to take them home, you know, to go into this museum. So that's just an angle of my Talanoa, if uh, that's the best way I can say it. I love this idea of the collective being like a place of courage, you know, like not doing things alone. That seems to make no sense in work like this. I don't think we'd be able to do this work by ourselves at all. Mm, And I don't think that it's a conversation that, you well I don't know if should is the word but just as far as the way we approach things everything is collective Mm. 
mm. traditionally anyway, so it makes sense that we would do this as a group. And I was talking to Kahorangi last night. I was like, and there's something special when Wahine come together. There's this this strength that comes from this, and there's a lot to carry as well. I understand. Yeah. So it, I think it would could only be done collectively, so we can share this work. Mm-hmm. And everyone brings their strengths, and we all have drawn. You know, we all even though we work together as a collective, we have our individual journeys as well. Mm. And we have previously responded to work. Uh, or themes or things that we're interested in. Margaret, in particular, is interested in Matakao. I'm interested in seeing work on women's bodies, so I've worked with performers a lot mm. and, and mm. work that we've done. But definitely very grateful to be working with these particular women and what they bring because they each have their own practice and are quite, I feel, established in that sense. So now we're like coming together and being new together, which is oh. really lovely. I mean, new, old, old, new. Mm. Julia talks about old new now, but as far as yeah, marks that and we're making new again. I yeah, yeah, that'd be good to return to this idea of like the continuity, not mm. new versus old, as a kind no. of a dichotomy. Yeah, yeah. and Tarisi always talks this about the sekai about that. It's not a, a revival; it's a resurgence. Hey, eh? what is it? Your three hours kai that you always talk about? Yes, yes, absolutely. This tradition of Fengia has always been there. Of course, you know, we understand through the arrival of the missionaries and uh, other factors, you know, that went into uh, the banning of the practice and not only just the practice, but also the banning of the sharing of the information. So it's, it's already been there. And one example was, you know, with my work in the museum, I see the, the Vengir tools, you know, lying there beautifully, but no one was talking about it. No one was saying anything. No one was wanting to engage with it. And so for us to kind of maybe reset our way of remembering, I think that's a a really good way of looking at it. To recall and remember all those beautiful hours I used to share in many of our workshops. So yeah, definitely, it's already been there. But it is uh, our collective and many others who have joined this journey to add life to it and engage our young Fijian girls, you know, also coming up to be proud of this tradition that was part of us. It was there all this time, but now with the collective coming back into the conversation of it, the spotlight is back again. So there's a, a renewal of our love and our understanding about this practice. Mm. It's a beautiful practice, I must say. Larissa, <laughs> <laughs> can you just your phrase saying, reset our way of remembering. Can you say a little more about that? What do you mean when you say that? It seems so interesting to me, the idea of like, proactively doing a reset like what would that look like yeah I I think for me because you know of that mental blockage that you know religion and education and westernization and colonization like all jumbled together Mm. to stop us from talking about it and sharing about this tradition now it's a way for us as Maramani Viti or if anyone from Fiji, what I mean by resetting, our own way of looking at it. You know, it's not something that is demonic or it's not something that was bad, you know, because it was painted like that. Mm. Uh, You know, when the Europeans came to Fiji, you know, it was taboo, it was not supposed to be talked about, but before that it wasn't. So it's Mm. that kind of shift of the way we look at some of our traditions that, you know, that they, it used to be enjoyed and uh, was part and parcels of our society. And uh, sometimes I'm thinking of like, uh, yeah, you know, who have the right to stop us 
from celebrating this part of our lives? You know, who who told us that it was not important? Who told us that it, we were not allowed to? Um, mm. But now with this way of resetting our way of thinking, um, we need to relook at it and say that it is parts and parcels of us. And it is up to us, Maramani video of today, on how we will take Vengia to the future. Naka. Naka Farisi. Thank you for expanding on that. Yeah, really stuck when I, when I heard you say that phrase. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Just because I want to make the very most of Margaret's time in particular, because she's needing to leave and, you know, there is a time limit to this discussion, I wondered if we could move to talking about some of the things in the room with us here, mm. maybe starting with the Matakal, yeah. if you were comfortable to to speak a little on those. Yeah, sure. It's important to, you know, throughout Te Mwana and it's not a new thing to understand that we have a relationship with our cultural material. And using cultural material and design and forms from our environment to translate or imbue imagery that may be tambu or tapu or to tell a story. And so our Masi tell stories, you know, same with Siapo. And for me, being both Māori and, and having Fiji and Whakapapa, it was a natural fit actually to, to go back, when we went back to Fiji Museum to look at the Matakau and how we represented ourselves through this particular material. And so a lot of the Matakau were made out of vesi, which is our wood. Something that I had to uh, reflect on was, I think it was my 2009, I had uh, my first solo in Akinayali, and it was after the death of my grandfather. So what happened was, I went back to Fiji Museum to study the material and, and artefacts, and what I didn't know at that time when I was looking at the matakau were what they were, mm. other than just visual representations of, of our culture. And I kept painting them. And then fast forward to the Living Gear project, I, realized, I was like, wow. So this one, this one that I've been painting is, has been marked and she's been has traces of them on her. And a lot of our matakau in the collections have been burnt, sabotaged in a way, arms cut. Even one with, in particular, her leku's been cut off or burnt off, um, and so, but when you read some of the material, they were very potent, and they were very uh, tambu, and they were, they were used to be able to navigate and influence the day, and so there's this gap there, so for me, it was a way to try and figure out what representation looked like. What I loved about the matakau, and I went over to uh, the British um, Museum, Cambridge, and saw a lot of our material there. And what I really loved about seeing the traces and recognising the form was that it was that important for the artists to replicate that across to our wooden forms. Even though they show traces of some trauma in our collections, I wanted to investigate more about uh, in a contemporary sense, what they would look like. And, and for me, even with eyes, so in the, a lot of the collections, um, most of the matakao, they haven't got eyes. 
Mm. And I find that interesting because over time they may have fallen out and those things. And knowing the value of putting eyes in for kairo is that once we put the eyes in, that activates, that means they're alive. So I wanted to see what that looked like as well. So a lot of these particular works has been around bringing forward the material culture, the, the different symbols, representation. But these three were made for a bigger installation with which we had at Marama Dina show in Campbelltown, which was a very extensive show. It was massive investment. But we loved it because we could extend again onto some more Fijian artists that were local that Danita and Dulcie led. And that particular installation for these, these three, I had done three um, meter billboards, uh, and the billboard was a high res image of my skin, and so I had more f- parts of my skin. Yeah, it was <laughs> interesting. <laughs> I was like, oh, I didn't know I had that many freckles. <laughs> What's that? Um, but the idea was, and Lisa touched on it, is that we all have our relationship. Because at that particular time, I wanted to be more forthcoming about Adalbati and getting the message out to try and see who's out there out of our women who can pick up the tools or is interested. And so the three metre um, billboards were situations vacant <laughs> ad on my skin and done in English and Fijian. But I wanted it to be more forthcoming, deliberate about where we're at and, and wanting to make sure that that message was out there. If any of our women, and I'll say it again, are out there that are wanting to learn the tools, then this was the message to say, come and see us, you know, and we will connect you up with Julia, we'll connect you up with our team. And so I think it's just for, and I know I've jumped a bit, but I just wanted to give context for them because, like Tarisi said, it won't be the same as our traditional time, but it does have a future, and we're doing it. But we can still encourage the tool to be picked up, and we can still encourage the courage in our women to transform ourselves for a future year. Kia ora. Can I just look back at one bit to Mm. the Matakao, and they have a specific relationship to women? Yeah, so we found a lot in our collections, and Karen Jacobs did a beautiful write-up on her findings of the liku skirt, but a lot of the Matakao were were women, yes. Mm. So the whole value of our role as women within a traditional setting, contemporary setting, all these things, and just investigating, and Teresi touched on it, the shifts of value, Mm. the shifting of value between them, and... We know how important it is, it says so in, in some of the research, that if a young girl died before receiving her marks, then her matriarchs would draw them on her so that she would not be naked in the afterlife. So we know the value. They were traced onto wood. So that whole idea of identity, telling the story, the continual movement, mm-hmm. resurgence, it's always been there. Mm. Yeah, it's always been there. And, and using our collective, it's just a natural fit. It's just, it happened, we'll do it together. But as we've grown, I know that we're stronger together mm. than we are apart. Mm. As individual researchers or individual enthusiasts or 
you know, academics, artists, makers. And I think that it's important to understand that when we come together as a collective, an output like this exhibition and others that we've done before is because we've always said that it doesn't belong to us only. We're not the authority. <laughs> we've always said that in the Vengia project. But what we do know is that we are the conduits to share the research that we've done. And that's why you have the books. Mm. And that's why when we do move around like Suva Museum, when we took a show back there, all our um, research was on the wall mm. so that the community could go and see it. So we've always been very transparent about, it's about taking care of what we do the best way we know how, the best way we know how. And we all are very different, mums, <laughs> aunties, academics, partners. But the thing is this particular project is infinite. Mm. Yeah. And I believe we will have a Daobati. I believe we will have a Kaita and we'll get there. But that's my message why I kept and why it was on my skin. Because we talk about moko and, and kawai and skin being real estate. Mm. <laughs> when I say that, I don't, I don't say that in a very bad political term. But the whole idea is, you know, we, we're understanding who we are now. And so we want to make sure that we can express that. I, yeah. Yeah. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. I'm really interested in what you say about the exhibition space, like it being a, a space to share, a space where people can come in and they can very literally see. There's a kind of a transparency. Mm. And I wondered maybe if one of you, anyone would like to speak on how the exhibition space works specifically. Like we use this word, research and of course that means many different things to many different people I love how Tyrese talked about the story coming back it seems almost more more useful than research it's like a continuity of a narrative yeah how does the exhibition work for you I know you're creative practitioners how does why is it the exhibition form and taking that question a little bit further maybe if we can touch on some of the other things that are in the room Louisa whoever would like to speak to that I wondered if Wekatoana wanted to contribute because she's She's a printmaker and institutional darling. They love her and they want to buy all her lovely things. Namaste. <laughs> but but Joanna, you, you did that massive, yeah. that beautiful large masi that yeah. was showed at Suva Museum for the for the exhibition, you know? Maybe you just want to talk about what it's like for you showing your beautiful masi and and, and working within a gallery, because I know you also do community workshops and run that as well. Yeah, gallery work is something very new to me. I'm still learning, old school, but still learning and willing to learn new things that are thrown my way. That big piece that I did, the yellow one in our first exhibition, I think Abby was at AUT when yeah, yeah. we launched our first uh, exhibition. That one, of course, I've placed some of the tattooing marks on that masi showcasing it in a setting like a gallery or museum. For me, it's a way of showcasing the women that went through that process of tattooing. You know, what was it like for them? And uh, showcasing their, the marks that was uh, used on them. Not just where we've researched in our recent travels, 
finding more talanoa, finding a lot more of these markings, and just the process of it and showcasing it in that platform, it means so much to me. I also have a background of... uh, rather my family to do with tattooing, but I never knew that I was going to be part of this collective later in my life, uh, which is such a joy to me. I know my uncle who was uh, doing that practice back when I was growing up back in Fiji, he gave me a little task to do to prepare his tools and his ink before he came home from work. And To be where I am today with this collective, it gets emotional sometimes. Um, The same as putting those ink, I suppose, on my masi in the way, tattooing the masi and bringing those motifs to life, you know, breathing on them and watching them take shape and showcasing them of course, to the public, to families and friends. It's a different platform for me. It's an emotional one and a joyful one. And I know we'll we'll, uh, produce more of these works to come. Mm. I remember that, Marcy. Where is it living now? Is it? It's here at home, but um, hopefully it's going to travel very soon (laughs) out of my home to a permanent place. I don't know yet. (laughs) I wasn't joking about her being an institutional darling. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) See, she knows it's true. (laughs) Yeah. But if I might might add on that, I would just... I think we spoke about this briefly and you raised it as well. Like, our culture is a culture of creative practice. Everything that we talk about is the conversation about entering society and making your debut when you receive your marks Mm. is creative. And like all the marks that you would find in our masi, in our um, ike, which is the beta for the masi, you would be ensured a beautiful death but those marks are still there, you know what I mean? And we can find them. It's just a matter of recognizing, and this is where the guidance of Chon and, and Weka Chon and Kaitarisi is, is really valuable. They, they just drop gold constantly, honestly. I talk about, I feel like a better Fijian after talking with them, you know? Like, but it makes sense so that this extension of us and us being artists that came together and women that came together to do this and having this in the gallery space seems to me makes sense yeah. that we do that. Like it doesn't mm-hmm. feel like, oh, why are you doing it? Like you could be producing papers. Why would I be producing papers? Mm-hmm. That's not how I want to engage with this, nor I hope that people would engage with Vengia. And I think that you do get a different sense of it if you have things in space and you are in space as opposed to I'm forwarding you an email with, some link. You get the same information, but it don't quite get the same value, I feel. I mean, yeah. you can let it inform your work, but I think the value is in the work itself mm. because we're 21st century Fijian women mm. doing what we would have done, you know, 100 years ago. Mm. And it also, to me, there's like this chance to bring things into dialogue, like yes. face-to-face, of course, people in the room, yes. but also to bring things out of the archive or the yes. library where they're like in these sort of vaults. Yes and bring them into the living yeah. conversation. And, and it reminds me of when we had the show at, uh, when we were back to Suva Museum, it was one of the highlights for me in the project because it was so meaningful. I was super nervous 
yeah. knowing the, the cultural and social constructs around the narration of Vengia. And so taking our work back to our community, to our people, was <laughs> a bit scary. But, you know, when you do it together and you have each other's back and you, and you reassure each other, it's okay, it's okay, because we come in with no ego about being able to present this forward back into our community again and the information. And that particular show was an opportunity to tell our community that, you know, this is what we're doing. Mm. And we got beautiful feedback. And I'm not saying it's all been beautiful because we've had criticisms too. And I've had them as myself as an artist, criticisms about not being Fijian enough and not being from Fiji because you were born. All these things that are put in place to be barriers and, and noise. I know my bones are buried there and I know who I am and I know my family and I go home to them and I'm, I'm with them. And so when, when we go back to places like Suva Museum and we're making, and we're not only made for ourselves for a show, we paired up with local artists. And Tarisi linked us up. So I was paired up with one of the artists, Katerina, and she does the uh, lapita pots from Rewa. And um, we collaborated. But even in that engagement, I found out a bit more about my connections back to Fiji. And it just so happens, in a very Fijian way, my aunties come down and then they say, yes, sir, Margaret, your great-great-grandmother was from Rewa. And I was like... Really? <laughs> and so, so finding out and unpacking those codes for myself as, as if in my family. Yeah. yeah, she was a writer. And I'm like, really? And so, so knowing those things and, and making way. And so I got to work the clay. Mm-hmm. And I got to work with her. And we started talking about, I said to her, what do you want to make? Because she, she was an art. Like in her head, what's an exhibition? She yeah. just makes functional... Uh, material pot souvenir for the tourists and I uh, says knowing this what do you think you'd like to make she says I want to make uh, beads so we make clay beads yeah and it was also I said great that's what we're doing because to me it makes sense in terms of the synergy between adornment and looking good and feeling good and fresh and you know and so sh- we created these beautiful forms so what I'm saying here, really, in terms of an exhibition, there's all these beautiful things that I've found that come with it, mm. and being open mm-hmm. to it, open to it, and allowing that to do it as a, as a group. Mm. You know, I trust my colleagues and my friends and the sisters and the aunties, and I trust that, and I think that comes with a deep, profound respect and love for something like this, mm. yeah. And exhibition space is a space for us to share that, mm. yeah, and navigate that together. Mm. Yeah, I always think it's an important thing with the exhibition as well. Of it's got duration, but it's also not forever. Mm. I find that quite interesting. It's almost like something's moving, and then it alights for a moment. It's an extended pause. You can figure out stuff, but it's not forever. It's not publishing a book. Mm. And there's something about me that likes it because it sort of acknowledges that things keep changing, that knowledge is never like this sort of fixed thing, like this is the last word on Mingi. Of course not. It's going to come down and you're going to do whatever kind of unfolds in the future. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. You talked about, well, it was a focus, I know, of the work that you did with Iwana 
Gordon Smith in mm. the show Names Held in Our Mouths at Tūru. Would you like to just speak a little bit about that? I know that's something that's common among you uh, collective members. You go back, but essentially you're very geographically spread. Uh, how, does that, how does that affect the way you work? Well, the, I think this beautiful tension about being diaspora, and I want to really acknowledge Tarisi. Tarisi was our first Fijian woman archaeologist. And why I say that with pride is because we've got to smash glass ceilings and we have to get out of our box. And so when I compare being with diaspora, it's not a negative. You know, it actually has its opportunities as well. So there's some beautiful tension that happens, um, and, and, and I see it even in my family and my friends, um, and Fiji, there's a, there's a certain way of, of life that you progress through because this is the way it is, you know. And sometimes not necessarily um, the, the inquiry or the, the liberal type of thinking can be freely expressed or understood. To be honest, my family don't understand what I'm doing. Um, and, you know, I've been doing this for ages. But, you know, they're very, they're very much part of who I am. And that's what I mean about bringing my family with me. They are the living memories of our ancestors. And being in diaspora also um, has those tensions around not living and breathing in Fiji, but there's some positives to that too, is that there's an ability to be able to be more curious, Mm -hmm. see some of the moving parts of how other artists and cultures are revitalising and reclaiming their material mm. and like I said before my connection to Fiji is very much a big part of who I am not just being part of the Fijian whakapapa but my Māori side mm. when I grew up I was either the first to be picked for bulrush <laughs> <laughs> and the last for elastics um, <laughs> because I was the you know the big Fijian baby when I went back to the pa, to the marae, and, and I embrace it. I embrace it because as much as not living in Fiji, and I still know that it's close to my heart and who I am because my grandparents taught me that. Because I'm the first born for my family, I was the one dragged along to all the aunties and pulled and, you know, and so I have this beautiful relationship to her siblings so that's my connection is to that line, yeah. and I treasure that. Yeah, so diaspora has those beautiful tensions, but also there's a yearning to be connected. I, I want some of that. Why can't I have it, you know, and not getting the whack if I was maybe living in Fiji or the Sasa. But so, so that's what I mean. That's some of the opportunities about being in diaspora. It's not a, it's not a bad thing, and it's, it, and it's certainly not um, something to, to mourn. Um, you know, going back into my real journey with Tarisi has been amazing to learn more Fiji and to be able to mihi, because in Aotearoa, when I stand, I need to talk about who I am, just not in Te Reo Māori, but have my Fijian side presence and so diaspora just allows me to be I think a bit more renegade without getting a good hiding <laughs> in summary yeah, yeah in summary but it does count yeah. it's like in the ears <laughs> yeah
maybe this is a good moment to think about the return to mm. Kia. Luisa, you were there. Joanna was there. Yes. Tarisi was there. Mm. You're all superstars on the big screen. Oh you gosh. can see. Yeah. And Sangita. Following Turani to the Valni Songo. Maybe you two would like to lead, and then I can talk about how we've put the show together. Eh? Yeah. One of you, up to you. Okay, all right. So, for taking us back to Kia. Yes, there was a lot of uh, administrative uh, work to be done behind the scenes. So, we had to follow the, uh, the research protocols before going over to the island of Kia. So, using my networks that I had in Fiji, which was still kind of, you know, fresh and strong. So that was really good. I worked alongside the director of the Fiji Museum, acknowledging uh, Mr. Cipriano Nemani, who is from Bua, a very supportive director, who introduced me to Emi Mbanimarama, who was the director for the Itauke Ministry at that time. And so through Emi Mbanimarama and uh, Cipriano Nemani, uh, we worked together to be connected to the Madhuwata Provincial Office. So this is a, a really good way of understanding the protocols behind the scene. So for those of you who may be new to Fiji, so for people going over to Fiji for research, these are all the steps to be followed, like uh, kind of following some ethical process. So before we reach the island, these are all the people we have to go through for permission, both from the government and also from Fijian Itoke way of doing things. So we were really fortunate that we had amazing support, also acknowledging Creative New Zealand for their funding to help us go over to Kia and return and to do the film. But when we uh, arrived in uh, in Lambasa, we were welcomed by the Madhuwata uh, Provincial Office. So we did our Sebu Sebu and we were able to be introduced to the Turangani Koro. So I'd like to acknowledge uh, Kemueli Lautiki. Okay, he was very, very supportive. He's a Turangani Koro of the village of Yaro. And so he met us in uh, Lambasa on a good day that he was able to go come on his boat he couldn't come to Lambasa for two days because of the weather. And so we had to wait in Lambasa for two days to wait until we go over to the island. So he was our weatherman. He was our boatman. He was our guide. He was an amazing gentleman who looked after us so well. He fed us and our tour guide took us to every places on the island of Kia and acknowledging all the villages on the island of Kia and even took us to Vangarini Vengia, the cave that was used at that time for the uh, Vengia traditions and the process and the, all the protocols. So we were really, really indebted to Kemweli for doing that for us. So that's a bit I did behind the scene, just organizing our travel. And also we decided to go by boat. So for those of you who know Fiji, we have a choice. You can fly, you can go by boat, or you can go by submarine if you're from Kandam. <laughs> but, but because of uh, Chawana, Joanna on the side told me, Tao, I'm scared to go on the airplane. So we had a wonderful time crossing the channel uh, from Vitilevu to Vandolevu. And there's lots of other memories along the way. It was a very enjoyable experience. And the women on the island of Kia were amazing. Initially, when we first came, I'll make sure Tineseta will say her piece. But I have to say, too, that most of them were nervous to share the story with us. But we started with one. 
And then as the, the story started spreading around the village, then more and more women came until the time came when Sangeeta told us, I think we have more than enough stories. <laughs> there were about 10 others waiting, all wearing their beautiful chamba and their makeup and their beautiful mwininga. But we ended up just recording the stories anyway, because they were all so beautiful. And so I just want to say that uh, we were very well looked after on the island of Kia. If you are happening to go to Fiji or go to Vanolevu, please go to Kia. Go there and, and visit this beautiful island. Unfortunately, they were uh, ravaged by the recent cyclone Nyasa, but our collective were able to put together some finance and send something across to the women and the children of Kia. So again, I just want to acknowledge our collective that we're not just here focusing on research for Venga alone, but we were also able to reach out to the very women that we interviewed and just kind of, you know, look out for them and the children of Kia uh, as well. So I'll pass it over to our beautiful Chowan Monolangi, who was our matriarch and the leader, as you can see on that video. She was always in front of us. Minaka, Minaka. Just about the plane. It's a very small plane. <laughs> you are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Um, yes, it was a very memorable trip. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was an emotional one. In that footage, I think we were going in to do our Sevu Sevu to the chief of the Yaro uh, village. They received us with uh, open arms and they opened the doors to us uh, in anything that we wanted. We wanted to learn from them as much as they also wanted to learn from us. Of course, like Tarisi said, they were a bit nervous from coming forward and uh, talking with us. But once the ice was broken, we felt like we were at home. And then, you know, we went to the Wengia cave. Very emotional to be in that cave. I'm getting emotional <laughs> just remembering that particular day. Just being in the cave, I could imagine the type of noise, the laughter, the cry, the singing that went on during the tattooing time. And of course, it wasn't one girl at a time, it was two or three at a time. And they lived in that cave until they were ready when their tattoos were done and they were ready to go back home with a big celebration. Coming back to our time in Kia, we did did a lot of Alanoa with the people of Arrow Village. And of course, our tour guide was such a gentleman and a lovely man. He just also sharing with us a little bit of this and that uh, that goes on in the village. I was moved by some of the Talanoas from the ladies and even the old papa. One of them came and sat and uh, told us his story when he was a child and he used to see his aunties swimming because this village is right next door to the, the beach is right there is their backyard or front lawn even and he remembers the day seeing his aunties down by the beach uh, going into the water to to swim and he would see them when they stand out of the water he could see the the markings and they look like they were wearing shorts uh, for me, that was just, um, it blew my mind to hear someone sitting in front of me and sharing his own experience as a child growing up 
and what he saw on these ladies. That was just wonderful. And of course, I want to share something too. Besides uh, Vengia, this island, or rather this village where we went to, uh, Yaro village, their totem bird is a frigate bird. And there's so many everywhere when you go down to the beach. If you put your hand up, with some food in your hand, they'll come out and eat out of your hand. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> uh, we had a boat ride around the island and we saw a little school. There was a funny story about that school building. Yeah, and there's three other villages on this little island. Beautiful white beach, beautiful color, um, different color uh, sea. All kinds of colors, so tones of blues and greens. Very nice, yes. We can't wait for the movie, the full-length feature movie. Bulavanaka. Joanna. So now is the sad time when we need to farewell Margie. She for needs now. to go, for now, for now, she needs to go and catch her taxi. So, yes. Thank you all for this opportunity. Like I said last night, Lulu's residency here helps us continue the work and so grateful for the university and the physics room to be able to support our journey <laughs> it's a lifelong one i know that much um but um very much wanting to thank everyone that's come today on this windy saturday um and also to everyone on our zoom julia and i saw emmeline and anyway all of you yes all of you gang on zoom all you gang <laughs> Uh, thank you all for, for zooming in, and I'll let um, the rest of the team tell the story. No, I get it. What am I? Who are they? 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 And then I, there's some good questions that have come up on the chat that I'd love to share and maybe also in the room here as well. We have some questions that have arisen. So my final tiny question is, we've spoken many times in this conversation that's come up, the idea of not breaking into a dichotomy of past and future, that things are continuous, that this form of knowledge is fluid and keeps moving and changing. But if we look forward in time, Margie's spoken about the dream for Dalbati to yeah. emerge. Would you like to speak to that some more too? Well, I'd, one of my dream goals is marks that you receive depend on your your or your clan role. If you were fisher people, you'd have more marine animals. If you were a Mataisan artisan, you'd have more plant-based and more yeah, land-based markings. And they would vary from region to region. Remember, there are over 300 islands in, um, in Fiji. So each area would have their own We've not been able to find out all the information about it, but we've some. And so we have this lens where we can recognize where various Masi are from, depending on their designs and you know that sort of thing. My dream personally is that we would regain that lens, where if I see you, I know who you are, and mm. you know who I am as Fijians. I mean, and the same way that we talk to each other and you say, oh, you introduce yourself, you, you immediately see where you're from or your father's village and then your mother's village. And then immediately the relationship is, oh, you're my tau or you're my kai, which means we're from the same place. And so the same way to have the marks and be able to relate that way, I think that would be just stunning. Mm -hmm. And for me, I would be like, I could die happy. 
<laughs> I don't know if that's a project goal, but I think that, that we're slowly heading in that way as we unearth more and more research and, and that sort of thing. And of course, it's not as easy because some of it is, you know, researchers, or for lack of a better word, spent more time in different regions of Fiji than others. So we have more illustrations from one side and not so much from the mm -hmm. other, depending on what their own interest was or where they spent three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. So that sort of um, impacted the records, eh? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that, to come back also to what Julia talking about, about old news, that Fijians, we were always adept at, at adapting. We did that with our grua, with our huge waka. Mm. And, you know, the Micronesians taught us about the different lashings so we could change the sail and sail into the wind. We would commission Tongans and Samoans to make things for us, or their families of the Matesao came over to, to Fiji, and that's where a lot of our traditions come from. But, yeah, I think it stopped there and passed it on to these guys as well. Mm. But for me personally, that's my goal. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Thank you. Weka? I know you're thinking lots of thoughts. Would you like to share them? <laughs> yes. Um, for me, for Vengia, it, it's an ongoing journey. We're just scratching the surface right now. I don't know where it's going to stop or where it's going to end. At the moment, I know uh, some girls, uh, when they do see me, they know who I am and they know that I belong to this collective I work with this collective and so they approach me and ask me about Wengia so I find myself educating them and how to go about it instead of rushing off say to the tattooing parlor do your family tree and find out who you are first as Fijians we have totems that belongs to our respective families that's where I like our young girls to to start get to know, write their family tree, get to know what their totems are. At least you should know seven. Uh, I know that different villages, different provinces will have more. And through those totems, you'll find what's unique in terms of tattooing that you can wear on yourself and be proud of it because it's your family. Yes, that's where I'm looking, looking at Wengia right now. It's, I know it's scraping the surface right now and it's like the, the winning gear, it's still traveling and to bring education into it, I suppose, to help young ones to understand what Wengia is about, what was it for, why it started and where it's going. Yeah, that's me. Naka. Kai? There we go. I'm here, present. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, for me, I'm, you know, really excited to see how the collective um, started and where we are now and what's, you know, in the future. That I'm just really proud of the ladies that even though we are in the middle of COVID, you know, mm -hmm. and we are hosting an exhibition. Uh, and it's just amazing that, uh, oh, how can I say? Yeah, the courage, I think I should say, uh, that is known among uh, Fijians and also, in this case, women of Fiji that we're celebrating our story. So for me, one of my, my vision is to um, look at the remembering of the intangible cultural heritage. 
at the moment, you know, we see the beautiful markings. And for someone like me who works in the museum, we've seen the, the tattooing tools. But wouldn't it be lovely and amazing to do more research into the field of the intangible cultural heritage? Joanna Monolang led us into uh, her creating this beautiful chant, you know, the voodoo, which I know you, it's going to be played in the gallery as well. And so it's lovely that this research has opened up this avenue of further research. So for young Fijian women who are listening in today, who may be listening to this recording later in the future, uh, this Vengia project or this collective is gonna open up so much more opportunities. So adding to what Chawana just shared, yeah, education is really key. And for us to include our young girls, you know, now would be really amazing. I recall when we went to Fiji, Luisa, uh, in 2017, for our exhibition, we ended up visiting uh, the St. Joseph Secondary School students coming to the museum to be part of our family day, which was awesome. And then I decided to drive all the way to Sawani and I spoke to the students of Andi Vakumbao School. Um, you know, and the, the kids who were in the audience were so, you know, excited and mesmerized by this tradition called Vengia. Most kids at the time, they had no idea about this tradition. So it was really amazing that we could do that you know, while we were in Fiji, we were not just talking to the older folks or the women of the same age as us. We were able to reach down to the younger generation and just talk about it, you know, and just make it kind of a, a natural for us to have conversation around the topic. So to me, I just um, like the three eyes, I'll share it with us, the three eyes. The first one is having this uh, collective as an inspiration to other Maramani Viti, the Fijian women, some are on this Zoom platform and others who will be listening in later on. The second one is on indigenous knowledge, uh, the opportunity for us to look back and reflect on the rich Itoke Vukuni Vanua, or the wisdom of the Vanua that are there, but in most times we often are not looking in that direction. We are looking away from it. That's why I use the word reset. You know, we need to kind of maybe look back and see what our ancestors used to have thousands of years ago. And we need to just look back and, and be re-energized and you know, just be rejuvenated once again from what they used to do you know, many, many thousands of years ago. And the last I, so I have indigenous knowledge, inspiration and intangible cultural heritage. So if we are going to bring in these beautiful chants and the meke and the proverbs and the the Serakali, the Seravasi, there were so many other events that was happening when a girl is being tattooed. Mm. It'll be lovely to capture that as well. So that's what I would love to contribute to this platform. And I hope that my other collective members will agree with me, but I'm sure they will. And uh, it'll be lovely <laughs> to carry on this uh, beautiful journey that we're all on. Nailako lako niweningia. You are listening to Art Not Science, presented by the Physics Room Contemporary Art Space. Naka, naka. Whee! Philippa Naka, Tyrese, my heart and my, my head is feeling very, very full after this discussion. I also feel like it could get a second wind and we'll be going for another few hours, but I think now is maybe a good time to move to some of the questions that have come forward. Maybe I'll start, if everyone in the room is happy to gather your thoughts towards a question, if you, you'd like to put that forward. I'll just return to the chat here. The first question I see here is about, 
if there is any history of men receiving, uh, getting tattooed in Fiji. Is that something you guys have, have come across? I, I would like to leave this to Tarisi and uh, <laughs> This is one of our favorite questions. No and no. <laughs> no, men weren't tattooed. Um, only circumcision. And when the church came in, they say no to vain gear and yes to circumcision because it was biblical. Mm. But our men also had clarification. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that answer. In oh, really, if I might just add one, of course. one note. Um, I remember reading something that when women would give birth, their husbands would sometimes draw, like in the excitement, would draw their wives' marks on them. Yeah, just... On the child? No, on, on themselves. Oh, right. Like, yeah. yeah, I just read that and found just one reference to it. So I was like, that's tricky. I get that. Yeah. <laughs> There's another question about the matakao and some insight into why they had no eyes. That was something Margie touched on. Would yeah. you like to go back to that? Yeah. I don't really know this much about it. Maybe Teresi might have some insight, Kai? Yeah, I, I think it's uh, more to do with style, maybe, because I know with the many museums, they have, you know, sculptures that are made for different purposes. So some are for, you know, ceremonial purposes and some are for worship. Uh, but the Matakau, I'm sure that we saw at the Fiji Museum, which inspired Margaret to create her own uh, were tattooed and they were selected by Professor uh, Stephen Hooper to be exhibited in, in England uh, during their exhibition that they did over there. So Stephen Hooper knew about these tattoos. So he particularly requested that they go over to England. But it was a really interesting observation made by Margaret that uh, you know she could see the markings around the, the groin and the the back and the front of this female carving or matakau, I would have no kind of clear uh, reasons as to why it doesn't have, you know, the eyes, but I'm sure from my own view, it would be to do with more the, the style or the purpose from a cover's perspective. Whoever made the carving had a reason about how it's formed on that particular one that we had at the Fiji Museum. Thank you. I think that is the questions from the chat, but is there any questions that anyone would like to put to? Yes, with uh, your vision of um, going forward and allowing you wanting girls to have marking, okay, will this be something that you will go back to the to the manual to, to ask them if um, if they can be marked? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you something. I'll start. I started, but I didn't feel comfortable getting all of it done until I, we'd gone home. That was a personal choice. I just felt like we needed to go and do our service first. But I think that it's an individual choice. And also what Wekchwana was talking about, going back and finding about what your totems are, and that you are consulting with the vanua. When you talk to your parents, you are consulting with the vanua. <laughs> you know what I mean? And someone asked us another time, you know, like, what, what are your, um, what's your methodology when we said we were researching this? And it was, we, we follow the tika and we follow the rules of Fiji and the protocols. We have our elders 
and our first female archaeologist, you know, who's... And another thing that I want to say is, the other thing is, if you're aware of your own culture, you are a source, you're a vassal, you know your roles, you know how things are, but it is, I think, an individual thing. A lot of people have come forward and started getting marked, and then they brought their mothers as well, so their mothers were coming in and getting marked. I asked Julia about this, she reckons she's marked 50 women. 50 Fijian women have been marked. That is amazing, and a, a lot of work for Julia herself, but a lot that has happened in just seven years. So it is, and I, th I feel, it's an individual choice, but it's a communal discussion. It's not ever separate from it, eh? mm. if that makes sense. Because, I mean, we do also get like, oh, have you been to your village? And like, have you been to your village? Like, I don't even know you. Why are you asking me these things? <laughs> There's a an accountability, but it's, an, it's a respect and a mutual respect and an exchange, I feel. Cool. Mary, did you have a Thank you for the uh, mm. Just uh, looking at the mm. film depot mm. and uh, your trip to Kiang, mm. um, I wonder why the Kiang women were not included in, in the film. I think we touched on it briefly last night, but we're following the Vanua framework research, which is basically Fiji and Tikanga, so where you start with the presentation and you state your intentions and you promise that they're honourable and you know you let them know everything that's happening and then there's um, all these different processes. And one of the, the second last one is called Vakarong Taki Lestale, which is reporting back to the Vanua. And because we've not been able to do that, because of COVID and because they're dealing with Cyclone Yasa, we're still trying to figure out how we can send the footage back for them to give us their blessing. So they haven't done that yet. So we're not sharing it publicly just yet. It will be in the film. I mean, they're still dealing with Cyclone Yasa. They're still rebuilding the village. And also we don't want to take the elders to Lambasa, even though the internal borders have opened and, and be like, good job. Vengie project, you exposed them to COVID, like, so these are considerations, which is why that's the name of the show, is about the journey of the winning year. So this is about the collective journey. The show is about the collective journey of how far we've come and where we're going. And it's one aspect of my residency. So the film itself will have those interviews, but it all depends on how we can take that footage back safely here. And, and in a timely manner as well, because they're, they're in their 70s, you know? Um, and one lady was in her 80s. So there's several deadlines. There's certain urgency because of their age, because of climate change and the increase in cyclones at home. There's several urgencies, if you can use that, um, to get this back to them. But we're, we have find ourselves having to work within the limitations that we have right now. Because we would love to have it. That would be ideal. I mean, it's just stunning just to listen to someone who has Joanna said, who saw it. So that's, that's what we're working on right now. And, and yeah, and the film, and the result of the film will depend entirely on when we can go back to them and, and show so them. So when you go on the island in the, you went to the various villages? Oh, no, we went to Yarro, um, and, which is in the center, and this. then... One this one that we're showing, yeah. And they didn't mind you using 
No, no, no. But it was all part of yes. Yeah. All of it was part of the the Talanoa to say that we would be filming and that what it would be for. Another thing, actually, that we did was Kaitaris. Um, maybe you wanted to talk about it as well. We asked Turangikora and and if when we did service that we have everyone present consent, and so we asked if women and children could come as well, because what happens is usually it's just the men. So we asked if the women and children could come as well because that's part of ensuring, and it's also female practice. So it would be, it would make sense that they be present in this. So there's footage of all of that, and then there's a lot of footage, as as Kaitarishi was saying. We have a lot, and so we actually, I mean, that's just one set. We have seven years of footage, and there's some being filmed right now, so <laughs> and photos, and I'm just needing to to put it in some in a narrative because we know the Talanoa and we, we need to remember that for some people it's new or new and you want to make sure that we cover all the bases and that you do it respectfully with the people who were very, very generous to share their stories with us. Um, so that's, yeah, that's where we are. Thanks, Rita. I remember that was the, the first conversation we had actually. Yeah. You rang me up after you got the residency awarded and then you're like, we've got to show it in Fiji first. <laughs> this is the first step. And you know, sometimes other steps go before the first yeah. step, but... Yeah, just like the steps. Kai, Kai, how long did it take to... That admin background, was it a couple of months before we could get the go-ahead? Yeah, two to three months of, uh, you know, negotiation, uh, emailing back and forth, and we had to write an official letter to go through to the Ministry of Itoke Affairs, and then it made its way over to the Madhuwata Provincial Office, and then the Madhuwata Provincial Office got hold of the Turangani course in uh, Kia, and then uh, Kemueli Lotiki from the village of Yarro uh, responded and came over and met us in Lambasa. You know, it wasn't smooth sailing. Mm. 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 And you also don't want to put pressure on them. It's like, we're the ones who want to do this research. They're living their lives. And so you want to make sure that you're not going to go there and be a burden either to do some valuable research and have some, you know, valuable conversation with them, but also not stay there for longer and there. You know, we did take food and everything, but you don't want them to be feeding you for longer than, you know. But um, we continued this, this conversation with them. We, as I said, we had a flash fundraiser and sent over um, care packages to the women and then also Kaitarisi with um, the Bunilangi Book Club also sent over boxes of books for the children once, because after the cyclone everything was lost, they sent them over supplies and that sort of thing. And it's the sweetest thing. The Turang Nikoro occasionally likes our posts on Facebook. Bless. We, you know, we try to maintain this conversation so that we're not parachute researchers in any sense of the mm. word. We want to make sure that we maintain this, this relationship. Mm. Mm. Well, maybe just the last thing to say is a huge and wide and deep thank you to, to all the members of the collective. It means so much to be able to host this work. I hope I get to work with you again in the future. May this not be the end. Thank you for what you brought to the discussion today on the day one of our exhibition. It feels really good to have your voices and, and your faces in the room. You're missed, but it's really good to being able to hear the things that you've shared this morning. Yeah, so huge thank you from me to you, Louisa, as well. Kia ora koutou. That was Dr. Tyrese Sorovi Vunidilo, Margaret All, Joanna Monalangi, 
and Luisa Toro of the Vengia Project in Talanoa about their ongoing creative research practice. I Lakolako Ni Vengia, a Vengia Project exhibition, is on at the Physics Room until Sunday the 31st of October. Come in and see the show from 11am to 5pm from Tuesday through Friday and 11am to 4pm on Saturdays and Sundays in the Arts Centre Registry Editions Building at 301 Montreal Street. Thank you for listening and tune in again next month on Friday 19 November at 8pm for our next episode of Art Not Science. Hey konara! The Physics Room is generously supported by Creative New Zealand, the Christchurch City Council, the Rata Foundation, Three Boys Brewery, Scientech, Resine Paints, and the Crater Rim.